Point Church, I'm excited to be here today, and thanks for joining us online. Thanks to, I see the, the Galanoses are hosting today, so y'all wave at Lynn, wave at the Galanoses, and make sure you say hi. And we want y'all interacting. Uh, I am so excited about this message today. It's amazing going through this book, how God plans out what we need to hear, even though you might not expect going through the book of Ecclesiastes that we're going to get exactly what we need to hear today. But that's exactly what's, what's happening. As I was reading through Ecclesiastes chapter 5 this week and just preparing this, I was just, man, I was astounded that this is just, this is what I believe we need to hear this morning. And so that's where we're going to be. And I want to start off with a, a story to kind of introduce the topic we're going to talk about today, because we're going to talk about how we approach God today. And this is something that you may not even realize that you are doing, but we approach God all the time. And there was a, a time, probably 14 or 15 years ago, maybe a little longer than that, in which I was having a conversation with a couple whose marriage was struggling. And in fact, they had decided they were going to get a divorce, and I sat down with them, and I, I really wanted them to work this out. And I talked to them about the vows that they had made to God. And what was interesting is, as we went through it, one, one party was repentive and wanted to come back, but the wife, she just was not uh, repentant. She did not want to be in the marriage anymore. And I told her what I thought was like a, dro a mic drop moment. I said, this is, you know, as a pastor, sometimes you have just, you say something and it's like, that's a, an alliteration. I should use that someday. And what I said was this. I said, you know, maybe God wants to change your heart, not your husband. You know, and I thought, man, that's, as I'm saying it, I was like, wow, that's good. And what she said right after that, instead of taking my mic drop moment that in my, all of my brilliance and saying, wow, Joel, thank you so much for being here. I'm going to change everything. This is what she said. She said, I don't want to be changed. I want to be free. And as she said that, I just began to realize, you know what? She is not thinking about the vow she made to God. She is not thinking about God's dream for her life. She's thinking about her dreams for her life. And this is a major, major issue when it comes to how we live our lives. How do we approach God and his dreams for our life? And I kind of think this is an unpopular topic. And so I want to give us two different ways to think about this topic today. Some of us approach God like a car wash. We have a car wash God. That is, when we're dirty or when we need to get ready for some adventure we're going to go on, we might take our car to the car wash. And the car, car will get cleaned. It'll, it'll get what it needed. And the only reason we went to the car wash is so that we can leave the car wash, so that we can go off and be better about our own lives. And we don't even think about the car wash until we need it again. But there's another way, and, and I brought a brought a gift for us today that I want us to think about God. I want us to think about God also. Some of us think about God as a cookie cutter, okay? We approach God as a cookie cutter. So I brought a, a box of cookies. In fact, I'm going to be giving cookies away to us in the, the studio. That's right. Um, and by the way, I'm going to give away cookies. That's going to be our giveaway today. If you are on here right now, if you comment during the, the message, my wife at the end of this is going to choose one comment, and you're going to get to your house a box of cookies today. You cannot beat that. So I want y'all commenting and interacting with this message today. But some of us approach God as if he is a cookie cutter. And what I mean is this. When you have dough and, and, and a cookie cutter comes to the dough, the cookie is forever changed into the image of the cookie cutter. So in other words, 
a car wash, we, we approach God, and, and the only thing we're trying to do is leave and get away. We, we don't want to spend the night. We don't want to live at the car wash. But the cookie cutter forever changes the cookie. The cookie for, will forever look like that cookie cutter. It changes into the image, and it's molded into it. And so those are the two kind of ways that we can approach God. Some of us approach God to be changed forever. And some of us approach God simply, I want my way, and if God will help me get my dreams, then that's fine. And that's, that's really where I want to go with the message today. So we're going to be in, Exod- I mean, in Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 1 is where we're going to start. We're just going through seven verses today. So I should be able to finish that in like three hours, so that's good. <laughs> it says, guard your steps when you go to the house of God. Guard your steps when you go to the house of God. Think about how you approach God. You know, there are a lot of different ways that we see in the Bible people approach God. Uh, In Exodus chapter 3, one of the first times we see somebody approach God, Moses is is walking. And Moses hasn't necessarily been walking with God uh, um, real closely for, for a while. But he hears a burning, or he sees a burning bush. He hears his name. And in Exodus chapter 3, this is what happens. This is verse 4. It says, God called him to the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Moses says, here I am. And this is what's interesting. Is then God says, do not come near. He says, Moses, Moses, and he draws Moses to the bush. But as Moses starts to just casually walk over to the bush, Moses is told, don't come near. Stop. What he says is, take, off the, take the sandals off your feet, for the place you are standing is holy ground. For I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. He said to Moses, Moses, don't you approach me as if this is common. Don't you approach me as if I'm just your buddy. You approach me. I am God, the the God of your fathers. And then he gives him this, this, this basically quest, this mission in life, this purpose in life. He says, you know what? You're going to lead millions. You are going, to, you are going to, to change the world, Moses. And Moses, rather than saying, well, of course he picked me. That's, you know, of course. Why wouldn't he pick me? Moses, he hid his face. And then look what he says in verse 11. Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the children out of Egypt? You see, Moses approached God with a humility. He knew who God was and he knew who he was. And he approached God with Humility. Throughout the, the Old Testament, especially in the Torah, we see when people approach God, they'll, they'll bring sacrifices. And they would bring these sacrifices, and it was a solemn occurrence when they would go into the temple. And there would be silence in the temple so that they could listen, so they could feel the presence of God. And they would bring these sacrifices. They would bring their best sacrifice, whatever it would be. And they would put their hand on the sacrifice. And the leader of the household, usually the husband or the father, would actually, he would cut and he would kill the sacrifice. And there was this heaviness, this weight. He approached God with this mentality that this should be me, that I am a sinful person, that I have sinned against God, and it should cost me my life. But God had this system where he could... He would, he would allow this, this sacrifice to go as a substitution and cover the sins of that man. But here's what I want you to see is when they approached God with their sacrifice, they didn't approach God so that they could leave and be clean. It was interesting. They approached God so that they could remain in his presence. 
And, and by being holy, by, by making sure they had confessed and they, their sins were atoned for, then they could remain in the presence of God. So there was this holiness in which they approached God as well. They approached him with humility and they approached him with holiness. And I think this all culminates in uh, the first part of the Bible when you have Joshua. And Joshua has just taken over from Moses. He's leading millions of people. And as he's going into the promised land, he has already made sacrifices. He has already stood and he said, listen, God has called us into. God has told him, I've given you this land and it's going to be the, the promised land flowing with milk and honey. And as, as they're walking into it, and I actually have been to this, the, the mountain where they think this would have happened It says in Joshua chapter 5 that there was a man standing there. It was the commander of the Lord's army. And in fact, Joshua said to this man, are you for us or are you for them? And he says, I'm not for anyone. I'm for the Lord. But look what happens. As he's approaching, he says, take off the sandals from your feet, for the place you are standing is holy ground. And it says, Joshua did so. In fact, right now, I'm going to challenge you. I'm taking off my sandals, okay? I wore sandals today. You might not be able to see that. You probably don't want to see my feet. We're not going to get a close-up for you. But I'm going to take off my sandals. I'm going to kick them. And I want to challenge you. You can either do this symbolically. I'm giving, giving it out. The studio's looking at me as if there's no way we're taking off our shoes. But I want, you, I want to ask you this question. You see, they had a holy mission. Joshua was given this holy mission to lead these people. He's given this purpose from God. But yet he had to approach God, even if he did all the sacrifices, everything. When he approached God, he had to recognize I am on holy ground. You see, even if we are doing all the things, if we're going to church, we're doing everything we need to do, we can still approach God with a lack of humility, with a lack of holiness in a way that even if we do everything right, we could miss the heart of God. And so as we get into it, I want to just challenge you. Have you undone your your sandals, so to speak, as we begin this message? Have you prepared yourself to be on holy ground that you are about to meet with a holy God? Or did you just wake up and say, you know, it's church again. I'm going to come to church or I'm going to wake up and I'm going to turn the TV on. Kids, I'm not going to prepare myself at all and I'm certainly not expecting to be changed. I just need to do this so that I can go about my week because this is just one of the many things I do during the week. I want you to think about this. When, when you go into uh, um, to reading your Bible, maybe in the morning, how do you approach the Word of God? How do, when you meet with your connect group, do you go there thinking, you know what, I'm about to encounter the, the Holy God and His Word and His Spirit is going to be with us. Do you enter into God's presence with a holiness and a reverence and a humility of knowing who God is? So that's my challenge for us this morning as we begin is let's get our hearts out. Let's recognize that God has, our purpose is not to align God to our dreams. It's that we want to come to the holy God, the creator of this universe, and we want to align our hearts to his. It says in the, the next verse, it's, or in the, in the continuation of that verse, to draw near to listen is better than to offer the sacrifice of fools, for they do not even know that they are doing evil. The sacrifice of fools, you can think about this as a prophet Malachi. He, he lamented this, that people began to take their, their, um, their lambs or their goats, whatever they were going to sacrifice, and instead of, of recognizing, you know, this is an act of confession, this is something, I'm, I'm going to choose this 
purposefully. They would just grab their, their lame goat or whatever it is, the worst one they had, the one that would hurt the least to give away. And they would just take it in and they would never really um, transfer in their mind. They would re- never really say, this, is, this should be me. This is, this is an, an act of grace for God on my life. They would never admit that in humility, you know what, I'm not even worthy to be in the presence of God. And the, the prophet Malachi, he also talks about how they would come with their tithes, and instead of bringing tithes and offerings, they would just reach into their pocket. Whatever they had, they would, they would give, but they, it wasn't a forethought. It wasn't a sacrifice. It wasn't an act of giving. They would just approach God and just casually, oh, I got a little bit, I'll give a little bit today. And it wasn't, it wasn't an intentional uh, thought of, I'm going to approach the holy God, and I want to make sure that I give in recognition that God has sustained me, and God has always given more to me than I could ever give to him. There was just this casualness. It was a cavalier approach to God. He says, you know, many of us, when we approach God, we, we think, you know, if I do my part, I come to church, it's a car wash God. I come, to, I come to church, I get clean, and then I can go about and I can be who I want to be. And God will, will do, you know, he, he needs to do his end of the deal because I did what I was supposed to do. But the other way it says is to draw near to listen. He says, that's better. And I want you to think about how, You've ever been in a conversation? Have you ever been in a conversation? And by the way, I'm confessing, this used to be me. I've had to work on this. Have you ever been in a conversation and recognized at some point that you're not listening to one thing they say because all you're doing is thinking about what you're going to say to them? I once was called out for this because I, I was in a kind of a back and forth debate and I would start interrupting the last few seconds of what they were going to say. And finally, they just called out and they said, you know what? You're not even listening to me. You're just thinking about what you want to say. And they were right. And so think about this when you come to church. Do you think about listening to God? I just want to come and listen to God, and I want to see what God is telling me to do so that I can walk away and I can be changed. I can, God is the cookie cutter. I'm the cookie. I can walk away, and I'll look more like the image of my creator. Or do you come to church thinking, you know what, I could, I could weaponize. I could do this. I could do that. This verse would be good for this situation. I could put her in her place. This verse will be good just to make me feel better in this situation. And all we're doing is thinking, and we're not receiving. We're not, we're not listening to what God is saying. And so this idea of approaching God is also, where is our heart? Are we approaching God so that we can conform him, we can change him? Or are we approaching God so that he can change us? We approach to listen. And there's this warning that when we come to God to to kind of give him, this is what we want, God, I came here, I've done what I need to do, now you need to do what I need to do, what I need done. It says they don't even know they are doing evil. You realize it's evil for us to show up to church or to enter into the presence of God and to not even think about the fact that God has... has something for us that he wants us to do. He wants us to repent. He wants us to acknowledge that, that he has been gracious to us. He wants us to acknowledge that, that we aren't worthy, but in his love and grace for us, he's going to provide for us. He's going to be there. And it's all about Jesus. It's all about God. And he says, they don't even know they're doing evil. They're just casually coming to church. They're just casually opening their, their Bible. They're just casually going to their groups. And they're never thinking about the fact we are entering in to the presence of a holy God. And it's evil, he says. Verse two, do not be rash with your mouth. Do not let your heart be hasty to utter a word before God. For God is in heaven and you are on earth. Therefore, let your words be few. For dreams come with much business, and a fool's voice with many words. 
You know, there's no doubt in my heart that Jesus, that, that Jesus would have read this. Um, there's a, a verse in Mark chapter 6 where this is what Jesus says. He says, when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. So God says this. He says, listen, some people come and when they pray or whenever they think about God, they just start talking. They just start talking. Well, God, I need you to do this. God, I need you to do that. And sometimes they try to be holy. They want people to see that they're holy and they're not approaching him humbly. So they're using a whole bunch of these and thous and oh, um, father art thou and all of that language that they would never use if they were approaching someone normal. But they think that by approaching God and, and pretending that somehow that's going to get them closer to what they want. And their heart is, this is what they want. And so that's a car wash God mentality. If I'm going to go and I'm just going to keep talking until I say the words, the magic words that God want to hear, and then maybe it'll be like my genie and I'll get my wish. It says, listen, if you come to God, and I love verse 3, it says, for dreams come with much business. In other words, so many of us, we approach God with our dreams, we approach God as if, God, I have all these dreams and this is what I need done. And when we're thinking about the big picture of Ecclesiastes, we're thinking about the meaning and purpose of life. So many of us think the meaning and, perfect, and, and purpose of life is for us to be able to achieve our dreams. And the author of Ecclesiastes is saying, listen, when you have all these dreams, all that happens is you're going to start approaching God with many words. You're going to start just telling God, this is what I need, this is what I need, this is what I need. And you're entering in to the house of God. You're entering into the presence of God cavalierly. You're forgetting who he is. You know, if we want to be in the image of God, a cookie cutter approach would be more of, I'm going to come in with not a lot of words. I've got a, a ton of dreams, but rather than telling God my dreams and saying, God, I need you to make this happen so that I can be, a, uh, be the person I want to be. Instead, we come and we say, God, I want to listen to you. And even though I want to talk and I want to tell you, I, I just want to listen and I want to conform to your will. I want, I want to listen to what you're saying to me. And instead of being like I used to be when I would just sit there and watch somebody's mouth moving, but in the whole time I'm thinking, I need this. I want to say this. I want to get my point across. I want this and that. We approach God. He is in heaven and we are on earth. We know that he is the creator. We are the creator. We approach him as if, you know what, his dreams for us are better than anything we could have for ourselves. When we think about this, I just want to, you to recognize that we have this assumption that our dreams are always the best. And so when we come to God, sometimes it's like, God, God, can you just quit convicting us? Can you quit trying to tell us what to do? I, I want to tell you what I want to do. You see, we need to be very, very cautious when we approach God. Verse 4 says this, when you vow a vow to God, do not delay in paying it, for he has no pleasures in fools, pleasure in fools. Pay what you vow. It is better that you should not vow than you should vow and not pay. Let not your mouth lead you into sin. And do not, be, uh, do not say before the messenger, it was a mistake. Why should God be angry at your voice and destroy the work of your hands? You know, this uh, month, surprisingly, my wife has made a vow not to step into Target. And I want to tell you, this has been very, very nice. She has done a great job. She has upheld this vow. But the other day, we needed to uh, go to Target. I can't even, we were going to get something. And Clayton had to go for us because my wife has vowed this month not to go in. It's been a great vow, by the way. And, and yeah, she, we kind of side, you know, we'll send Clayton if we need. But she hasn't been in, and that's a great vow. She's paid that vow. 
you know, we make vows all the time. Sometimes they may be uh, um, small vows. You know, you've heard, you've seen it in movies. Somebody, uh, how many times have you seen uh, or, or have you yourself said, you know what, maybe you're running late. God, if, if you'll just clear the traffic and get the green lights for me, if you'll just do that, then I, I promise I'll be at church for the next five weeks. You know, I, I've, I knew people and, and guys who would pray, hey, if, if she's not pregnant, God, if you can just let her not be pregnant or let no one find out about this, God, I will for the rest of my life, I will be given my money, I will be at church. And, and, and they say it cavalierly because it's their dreams and they're trying to say to God, hey, if you can make my dreams happen, then I'll do whatever you need. And they're approaching God as a car wash. If you'll just clean me, I'm going to go on my way. In the Bible, there's a, a prophet named Samuel, and his mother really had a dream. She wanted a child. And so she made a vow to God, if you will give me a child, I promise I will raise him in the Lord. And you know what she did? As soon as she, God granted her this vow, she was, she was given a child, and she took him straight to the temple. And she gave her child over to the temple. She would get to see him. She would get to be with him. But he was raised in the temple, and he was devoted to the Lord. Because she honored her vow. She recognized that even though I have these dreams, if my dreams are not aligned with God's dream, if I don't give up my big dreams in, in order for them to fit in God's dream for me, then I will be going against the Lord. We are so cavalier the way we approach God with our dreams. God, and we will lie to God. It says it's better, and Jesus quotes this as well. You know Jesus read Ecclesiastes chapter 5. If we, if God, if you'll just do this for me, I promise. And then we never follow through with those promises. Think about a marriage. You know, um, marriage is one of the most famous vows you take. And so many of us think that we just, well, yeah, I vowed that I wouldn't leave, that I wouldn't get divorced. But you actually made more vows than that. You, you, you vowed to love in sickness and in health when times got hard. You vowed uh, to come together as one flesh and, and, and to be there for one, for one another. You made other vows sometimes that we just cavalierly say, you know what, he doesn't deserve or, or she doesn't deserve right now. I don't even want to look at her. And, and we made a vow. And some of the times we cavalierly, we think just because we are fulfilling that one vow of not leaving, that we are, we are still uh, um, okay with God. But I want to tell you, we, we make vows all the time and we need to be serious when we approach God, we need to make sure the vows we make are vows for his will, his dreams, and not our dreams. But we do this all the time, and it comes down to this last word he says in 6. Why should God be angry at your voice and destroy the works of your hand? You know, when you, you make these rash vows and we lie to God, it can destroy some of the, the good intentions that we have in life. You know, Verse 7, I think, is kind of a great way to wrap this up. This is what it says in verse 7. For where dreams increase, words grow many, and there is vanity. Hevel, there's that word again. When, it, when life is all about our dreams, if you're looking for meaning and purpose in life, and it's all about your dreams, and you're even trying to manipulate God into your way, he says, you're going to find out it's like smoke. It's like hevel. It is a mist. It is not real. And he says instead, God is the one that you must fear. When we talk about the fear of God, that means approaching God with a reverence, but it's also uh, approaching God not just for who he is, but also what he can do. Understand, if, have you ever walked in? One time uh, I walked into our church and we were having a conversation about security and I just cavalierly asked, uh, hey, how many people do you think 
uh, that you know on a regular basis to carry a firearm that we don't even know about. And we're in Texas, so, you know, <laughs> there's a, a lot of people where, hey, I'm carrying, I'm carrying. And I was like, whoa. And all of a sudden, you just realize when you walk in and you know somebody's carrying a firearm in Texas, it's like you approach them with, hey, I know not just who they are, but I know what's capable if something were, and, and it changes the way you approach. My grandfather had a horse, and he would uh, um, tell us, when you approach a horse, you approach from the front intentionally. You don't just cavalier, because you need to know what this animal could do if you surprise it, or if it's not, you know, if it doesn't want you to be around. You need to be approaching with caution, with respect, with fear. So my challenge for us today is to think about how are we approaching God? How are you approaching all of the things in your life, your dreams? Are you manipulating God as if he's the car wash God? Or do you approach God as if he's the cookie cutter and you're the cookie and you just want to be in his image? You know, I can't close this without applying it to politics because, again, I don't know if y'all heard, there is an election coming up. It's, uh, it's breaking news to some of you, I know. But I just want to, I've been thinking about this a lot because in this church, we have people on both sides of the aisle. We have both, we have the whole bird. We've got the right wing, we've got the left wing. We've got a progressive, we've got conservative, we've got it all, okay? And so I, to both sides, I, I was thinking about this. I, I get concerned the way that both sides of the aisle when it comes to politics with Christians specifically approaching God cavalierly. You know, there are some of us that, uh, and I'm going to say some of us on both sides, uh, there are some of us as Christians who think of ourselves as progressive or as liberal or Democrat, however you want to frame it. But we allow things or we even say things when it comes to uh, the church or to some Christian beliefs like they're backwards, I've heard this, or they're on the wrong side of history, and we say things very cavalierly. In fact, this week I heard Matthew McConaughey of all people, this is what he said. He says, you know, being progressive doesn't mean you have to say yes to everything. It just means that there are some things that you can go forward, but there are some traditional values you should probably hold on to. One of the things I want to challenge you, if you lean on that side, is to be very cautious about the holiness of God. That we can be on the right side of history and the wrong side of holiness. And you need to understand that if you maybe lean on the left side. That we can be so cavalier, and we're seeing this even in the church. The Catholic Church this week has kind of made this mistake in my, in my uh, uh, the Pope has made some statements that are very cavalier about the holiness of God. We as Christians, if we're on the left side, if you are, are, are progressive or liberal, you need to make sure you, you can be on the right side of history and on the wrong side of holiness. But the other side is there are some of us that are Republican or conservative, right wing, whatever you want to call it. And I see this a lot too. I see a cavalierness with a way that we just take on the righteousness of God as if it's owed to us. We approach God and we talk to God as if, of course, we're on God's side. We're, we go to church. We do this. He, it's almost like we talk about the fact that God owes us something. You know, we voted for the right candidate. We've got the right mentality. And so we talk about righteousness. It's, it's something that we have, have. We're the only side that has righteousness. We're the only side as if somehow we're the ones that deserve the righteousness because of where we stand. There is a cavalierness there as well. You know, when we approach God, Moses, he, he, he approached God knowing he was a sinner. He did not deserve it. And that the only righteousness that, that we can get is when God gives it to us. We should never be cavalier about being righteous. It is given to us. So here's what I would say to us on the, on the right. I would say this. 
It's possible to be on the right side of holiness and on the wrong side of God's heart. It's possible to be on the, the, the right side of God's holiness. Hey, I'm going to church. I'm doing the right things. But you know what? My heart is not right. I want you to think about this one idea. When Joshua is approaching the, the, the commander of God's army, he was on the, the, the right side of holiness. He was, he was sacrificed, making the sacrifices. He was leading exactly the way God told him to lead. But had he not taken off his sandals, had he not humbly said, you know what, I recognize, I'm, I'm approaching this with the presence of God, he could have, he could have gone into the, the promised land without taking off his sandals. And he would have been in the holiness of God, but he would have missed God's heart, and he would have been an enemy of God. So this is what I want to say to us. Listen. Last week I preached on unity, and when we talk about unity, we mean unity in Christ, that we want to be all conformed, no matter who you are politically. We want to be conforming to the image of Christ. There's where the unity comes. And so my my challenge for us this week is guard your steps when you approach the presence of God. God is not a car wash God. God is the cookie cutter. We are the cookie. Let's pray. Lord, we humbly, humbly come into your presence because we know we are on earth, you are in heaven. You have sent, though, a mediator so that not only are you in heaven, you also came to this earth. You came to this earth because we were not righteous. We were were not uh, uh, holy. And because you did that, because your son, Jesus, came to this earth and paid for us through his death on the cross and proved it through the resurrection. Lord, because of that, we are now made righteous. It's not from us, it's from you. It is a gift from you. So Lord, this week, we are not going to be cavalier about the way we weaponize you or the way we throw around uh, who we are. Instead, we're going to to walk in humility and we're going to walk in holiness, pursuing you. We want to be in your image. We want your dreams to become our dreams. We don't want our dreams to, to challenge your dreams. So Lord, we humbly ask that this week you'll give us the strength to live and conform to your image. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.